Lots for us to talk about with Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. That did not sound like folk music that you were playing to did me. Did you want? I'm sorry. We should have played you a little folk music because, like, <laughs> we were going to talk about that this morning. The demise, the appear, the apparent demise of the Vancouver Folk Festival, and you've got some memories. Yeah, this one hurts a bit. I covered the very first Vancouver Folk Festival. Uh, what, in 1977, 78, thereabout. Uh, it was in Stanley Park. There was a bit of a backlash over the fact that they staged it in Stanley Park, and that's why it got moved to Jericho. But uh, just a wonderful event. And, and folk festivals, and I heard you say that, you know, you didn't go to it, but uh, they are wonderfully different from every other kind of music event. It, of course, the focus is on the big-name folk acts that perform at night on the main stage, but the wonderful thing about folk festivals is what they call workshops, and these go on all day. They're on smaller stages around the site, and what you get is, for example... A half dozen folk artists who specialize in the blues, they join each other on the stage and they take turns. One will do a song, another one will take a riff off of that and do their own thing. And eventually they, this collegiality just takes over and you get them playing a kind of one-upmanship on it or one-personship on it since you get women in this too. It, it's wonderful, and it, it's a reminder of the folk world, which is much more collegial and cooperative. A lot of the artists that play the Vancouver Festival spend all summer on a circuit. They go to the one in Winnipeg, they go to the one in Toronto, they travel around the United States. So it's a wonderful cultural event. I hope you're right, Simi, that they're coming on to talk about it today, to say it's threatened so that somebody will step in and bail them out. Because half a million dollars for that kind of cultural event in Vancouver, yeah. I think it's well worth it. And I really think, I hope the city or somebody steps in and, and supports them. Oh, I agree. I, I definitely hope somebody does too. Because you know what, regardless, you don't need to go to something to appreciate that it is a cultural institution and that it's kind of woven into the fabric of that neighborhood. It really is. People loved it. So I think, I don't know, you'd think that somebody would come forward, right? Other events can find sponsorship. Yeah, and it's very Vancouver-ish, too, because, the you know, the the folk festivals are kind of a counter-cultural event. So they kind of root back into, you know, the, the, the Vancouver as an alternative place. And I think for that reason alone, the city should be thinking about stepping in. I mean, imagine if Toronto had something like this and we didn't. It's more of a Vancouver-type event in my opinion, than it is a Toronto-type event. Exactly. All right, so we'll be talking more about that on the show this morning. Um, also, let me just ask you, we were just listening to a little bit of Premier David Eby up in Prince George yesterday making that announcement. I don't think it was exactly what people were hoping. No, it's an underwhelming announcement. I mean, first of all, it doesn't do anything for the pulp mill that's closing there or the pulp production that's closing there, which is going to cost 300 jobs. It's a, The government wants us to think of this as a $90 million fund to assist in creation of manufacturing jobs in a value-added forest industry. You look at the fine print, it's $30 million a year for three years. Uh, The top grant is $10 million, which is intended to cover 20% of the cost of getting uh, new production. Mm, Yeah, small-scale operations, Small town stuff, uh, yes, it'll help. Nobody's going to turn it down. 
But $30 million spread all over British Columbia, the more than 100 communities that have a forest industry still, uh, it doesn't have a lot of impact. It's uh, the government sort of chipping away at the edges of the problem. It doesn't address the major problem. And the premier also took a shot at the major forest companies yesterday and said, you know, grumbled about, well, we want more smaller scale community related. Um, The B.C. forest industry's production, last time I saw the numbers, is mostly exported to international markets. That's where our wealth and our jobs come from. Domestic production here in British Columbia, just a matter of weeks. The rest of the production goes international. So, yes, we can add new products. But, folks, you're going to make furniture? IKEA is not a mom-and-pop operation. The big paper companies in the world that make specialty papers that we're competing with, they're not small-scale operations. You need big companies to sell, to sell products around the world, and that's where the future of our industry should be based. Okay, so yes, we'll be talking more about that. Um, also, and I can't believe this story is still around, too. What is going on now with the Royal BC Museum? <laughs> I love this. The, the Provincial Museum makeover is just a gift that keeps on giving. So remember uh, Old Town and remember the third floor? Yes. You know, way yes. back in the fall of 2021, they told everybody, hey, this is closing permanently. You better get in and have a last look at it because we're tearing the stuff out come January the 1st, 2022. And they started doing that, we thought. Well, they're now having public meetings on the future of the museum. And in the first one, last week in Victoria, the new CEO of the museum, Alicia Dubois, disclosed to the audience that, um, hey, you know, the third floor is still there. Old Town is still there. And everyone's going, what? I I don't understand. (laughs) Why? First of all, if it's still there, why don't you reopen it since that's what people want to see? Oh, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to deal with the future of the museum. So, Simi, they they raised the entry fee. When they first closed the third floor, they dropped the fee to five bucks because, frankly, you were only going to see part of the museum. They jacked the fee back up. I think last time I looked, it's $18.00. And the first thing the audience says is, well, you know, we'd like to see Old Town again. And they went, well, we're going to save some of it. We're going to save Chinatown because the Chinese community liked it and they want to keep it. But no, no, we're still going to spend three years talking about the future of the museum and deciding whether we're going to protect it seismically and decolonialize the exhibits and everything. But uh, that one was a real shocker. I mean, it was a headline in the Victoria Times columnist on Saturday and had everybody going, wow, we... Are you just kidding when you said you were getting rid of Old Town? Why and now even, you're saying it's still there? But why even say it? That's the thing I don't understand. I, this is a self-inflicted wound. This is You didn't need to tell people it's still there. No, this is a serial self-inflicted wound, yeah. I think, because it's been going on. I mean, Dubois said, you know, it's a real shame the way the museum got politicized last year. Yeah, well, it got politicized because the government made a political statement about getting rid of some of the most popular exhibits to decolonialize the place. And then it got politicized because the premier announced the $800 million plan to replace the museum and close it for eight years. And then the premier reversed himself and walked away from it. So, yeah, it, it isn't all the museum's fault by any means, but they've been sent out there to try to rescue this thing They're going to spend three years now on 
replanning the future of the museum so it's not going to get replaced for, well, figure, even if they agree on the plan, which they won't, uh, it's going to take four or five years more. So you're not going to see a museum, okay, for a long time. So as the public in Victoria is saying, so in the interim, why not reopen the exhibits that you hated but we liked? And the answer to that is it's not happening, it, but they're still there. I guess I also wonder about this is um, – I think it's like a case study, right? This is something yeah. I feel like you, any public relations people, communications yeah. people could study as a way to completely mess up what started out as a, a pretty good idea, and that is to modernize a museum to, to reflect BC as it is today and BC's history and the things that we know. That's a great idea, except they've completely ruined yeah. and botched how they did it. Yeah, I agree. And the only thing I will say to put it in context is, uh, you know, you follow this story around the world. This is happening in a lot of places. It's happening in the UK. It's happening with the National Gallery in Ottawa. You've got the museums taken over by people who, what they convey to you, Simi, is almost that they hate the place. They hate the exhibits. They think they're racist and they show the wrong part of our history and the art doesn't reflect diversity and all that. And unfortunately, they're at odds with the public, which likes these places. I mean, the provincial museum is not ways just to a, bring people along on yeah, that, right? And they I haven't agree. brought people That's along on that. Bring them along. In Victoria, the provincial museum is not just a tourist attraction; it's a place where people in the capital take their kids. I took my daughter there; she loved the place when she was a little girl and yeah, some of the old town stuff and that was hokey, a fake train station, but with kids, very, very popular and you know seriously, they got off to a bad start. This is supposed to be a restart, and they got off to a bad start by saying, "Old town and the third floor are still there, but you can't see them." And by the way, we're going to charge you more to see the place. Uh, unfathomable. It is unfathomable. I just, I do not understand. Do you think now it's like a political no-go thing? Like they're just, nobody in the government's going to touch it now because of what happened. Uh, the three-year schedule for revisiting the plan tells you that the government doesn't want to hear about this until after the next election. <sighs> and that will be, you know, and that's the main objective now is can we keep a lid on this? until we get ourselves reelected because there's you're right it's become toxic yeah it has what a mess all right Vaughn thank you bye-bye